Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh weekly episode of HR Works COVID-19 Update. We will be publishing these shorter episodes every week with the goal of covering employment law issues surrounding COVID-19. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. As companies struggle to stay in business, many have decided to take advantage of the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program, or the PPP for short. The details surrounding this type of loan have some HR considerations, like whether you have to hire back the same employees to take advantage of loan forgiveness, whether you can pay employees not to work, and and things like that. We are pleased to have with us today attorney Terry Dawson, partner at Barnes & Thornburg LLP, to discuss this topic. Terry's practice involves virtually every issue employers confront today, with an emphasis on labor relations, including arbitrations, collective bargaining, negotiation, helping employers remain union-free, business strategy, and client counseling. Terry also provides daily counseling to employers on complex FMLA and ADA issues. Terry, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks very much for having me, Jim. It's a pleasure to join you and have a chance to talk through some of these really complex issues and what HR people need to know. Um, First, why don't we just uh, sort of talk about what uh, the PPP is and uh, why companies would use it. Well, anybody who's listening probably has a pretty good sense for what it is now because obviously they're going to be concerned about PPP loans and the forgiveness aspect of it. And so basically, what is it? Uh, A PP loan, a PPP loan is basically part of the CARES Act. It's a, a small business administration loan that's given to your business. And the whole thing was designed initially to be pretty simple and easy and straightforward. And those people who are listening who actually obtained a PPP loan know that's pretty much how it works on the front end. In other words, the idea is that you wouldn't have to do very much to get the loan. It was pretty relatively simple to actually get a loan. You didn't have to put up personal collateral or anything like that. The whole idea was to basically use the employment system that we already have in place, the payroll system that exists in the United States, to essentially get money to employees. We knew there were going to be shutdowns all across the country. So if you you get back in your time machine, Jim, and we go back to probably late March when this all was getting kicked off, this payroll protection program was really the cornerstone of the CARES Act. So um, many listeners will remember that there was a limited amount of money and people had to kind of get in line Whoever got there first got money because there was only a certain amount of money that was available. So the idea was that basically you would uh, be able to get a loan that would keep you and or your employees afloat. So you could almost think of it like almost, I don't want to use the word welfare system, but the whole idea was what we're going to do is we've got a uh, stimulus delivery system that we can use for employers and they can obtain a loan that will enable them to fund their payrolls for an eight week period. And if they do things the right way, the great news is you can have that loan forgiven at the end of that time. So it becomes a grant. And even if it doesn't become a grant, then it converts to a low interest loan, a 1% loan over a 24 month period. So that's a quick 30,000 foot overview on What was the purpose for PPP loans? And so now we've moved from the simple part of, all right, you've got a PPP loan. What the heck do you do with it? And uh, what are the the problems and risks with them? So that's the transition that we're moving into now. 
And thank you for, for giving that overview. Um, my understanding is that applying for and administering these kinds of loans isn't usually uh, in the realm of what HR professionals do. Um, but if a company has applied and received such a loan, uh, what are some of the things that HR needs to be aware of? Well, I think that's right. I think this is one of the interesting parts about this, right? Which is, hey, human resources people aren't usually administering this kind of thing. Now, some of our listeners may be, depending on the size of their company and uh, how many people and resources they have available to them, but they ordinarily aren't. And so I would tell people there are two or three things, maybe even four things that may be important here. But one of the first ones I always tell people is don't do this on your own, HR people. This is not something you'll want to tackle on your own because there are a lot of complexities to it. And there are parts of this that you typically do not deal with, as you just mentioned, Jim. On the back end of the forgiveness uh, approach, there are things that HR people ordinarily will not deal with. So you're going to want to work with a somebody in your finance group, your accounting group for sure, uh, to be able to get advice and to know what it is you can and can't do. One of the other things I would tell people is that the Small Business Administration finally issued on Friday their loan forgiveness application. People have been sitting around waiting for this and waiting for some sort of guidance on how loans would be forgiven. I would encourage people to go to the SBA website and download that document. It's not time for people to apply for this yet, but the reason I do that is what should you be thinking about as an HR person? Well, one of the things you should be looking for is a roadmap. What do I need to do? And the SBA loan application it will be kind of your roadmap that you're going to use to start filling out as you proceed. One of the other things that I think is important to mention is that another reason you don't want to do this on your own is because there are certifications that have been made that you will be making in response to this loan forgiveness application uh, that are legal certifications. And if you uh, certify something that's inaccurate, then uh, the Small Business Administration uh, can indeed pursue fraud actions against employers. And so you may have some innocent mistake, and that might be avoided if you make sure that you're working with someone else. So the things that you're going to want to do as a HR person is make sure you've got a roadmap, that you know what it is you're paying attention to, and then you're going to do the things that you ordinarily are already really good at as an HR person. And that's going to be documenting some things that we'll have a chance to talk about here in a couple of minutes. How uh, you need to document and also manpower issues. You're going to basically pay attention to the manpower issues and uh, documentation. And those are things that are in every person's HR wheelhouse. So people are going to be nervous about this or feel overwhelmed about this, but um, there are avenues for you. So stay in your lane, number one, by staying what you're good at and then seeking help from other people and be a support person and provide resources to other people as well. You mentioned the forgiveness aspect a few times. Um, is this something that's just going to automatically happen at some point or is there something that HR professionals need to pay attention to? That's a great question, and it's not going to automatically happen. In other words, anyone who's listening to us right now who's obtained a PPP loan knows that it, that's what it is. It's a loan when you obtain it. And so you have to apply for forgiveness. It's not something that's granted automatically. The Small Business Administration or your bank from whom you obtained the loan will not do this automatically. You have to fill out the application and submit it 
And there are uh, certain critical things that come into play in determining whether that loan will be forgiven or not be forgiven. And so these are some of the things you're going to end up paying attention to as a human resources person, because the biggest driver of getting your loan forgiven is maintaining or restoring your workforce to the same levels it was before we had all this crazy pre-pandemic mess that's taken place before the coronavirus is around. So it does not automatically happen. You have to apply for it. And if you don't apply for it, then it won't be forgiven. You'll essentially end up with uh, a loan that you'll have to repay over time instead. So you need to absolutely apply. And uh, as I mentioned, the keys to this really at the end of the day would be the most important thing that gets looked at is how do you get this loan forgiven? Well, most of our listeners have probably heard of this 75 and 25 rule. So the law basically states that if you use 75% of the proceeds, at least 75% of the loan that you get for payroll costs, that's number one. And number two, you maintain your employee headcount, then that loan is going to be forgiven. You can actually use up to 25% of that loan toward other things like mortgage interest payments or rent payments or utilities and your cable, all those kinds of things that business expenses. So it won't happen automatically and you have to actually take action. And um, I would encourage every listener to pull that application because you'll see what's going to be required of you. And there is some explanation for it in the application itself. Do you have an understanding of when that headcount is counted can I have just fired half of my staff and then I apply for the loan and the remaining staff? Is the headcount to be considered or is it, is it something different? Okay, and that's another very good question is, how do you determine what's the analysis that takes place here? And basically what it comes down to is the PPP compares the average number of full-time employees that you had each month during what I'll call the eight-week covered period, which is the eight weeks in which you're going to use the PPP loan proceeds. And it compares that to one of two base periods. And you get to choose which base period to use as an employer. So you're going to compare your full-time employee group during this eight-week time frame when you're going to disperse the loans to one of two periods, February 15th of 2019 to June 30th of 2019, or January 1st of this year, to February 29th of 2020. So it's up to you as an employer to choose. And so, Jim, what I advise people to do is uh, you ought to run the calculation for both because if the number is lower for one calculus than the other, then that's going to be easier for you to meet. So uh, what you've got to do is pay attention to maintaining essentially the same full-time employee equivalents that you had during one of those two timeframes I just mentioned. Well, thanks so much, Terry, for, for joining us today. I think this is uh, great. Glad to help. Appreciate the invite. And it's great to talk to you, Jim. Absolutely. Listeners, please check back next week for the next episode of HR Works COVID-19 update. You can also always follow us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast, or if you have any coronavirus-related employment law questions that you would want answered in one of these shorter episodes, 
uh, email me at jdavis at blr.com. So far, I've had no tickers, but uh, the offer is still on the table, and we'll do our very best to get that answered in the next uh, episode. Thanks so much for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.